to share in this moment to all of our ministers, those who are present, pastors, good to see Pastor Smith and his wife, uh, Pastor Coates and uh, Brother Grant and others who are present. Um, again, it's, it's an honor, uh, always an honor to be able to uh, address the people of God and share the, the gospel in all of our seasons. One of the things that I appreciated about what uh, Dexter said in the beginning is that he kind of captured this duality that is the funeral experience. On the one hand, it is a celebration. We are here because someone who was beloved has died, but at the same time, they died. So death brings with it a sting and a sadness. And there is no amount of flavoring that you can put over it that makes it anything less than what it is. And so we need to be mindful of that. And I love that balance that we celebrate the life that was all of the wonderful testimonies, certainly 107 years. What a, what a testimony. Uh, and so all of the friends, all of the families, all of the church members, I was struck by something, Pastor Grant, and we have to talk about this, but uh, I was struck by how many pastors she outlived. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's, um, I'm honored because uh, Brother Grant came to me some time ago, and he, we, and I've always been struck in Sister Grant. I love her dearly. She always reminds me of my mom, and uh, ever since I've been here, it's always been Grandma Ruby, and I've never seen a more devoted son and daughter-in-law to their mother, and so Brother Grant uh, came to me few years ago and said, well, you know, when her time comes, I want you to do the service. Because I was asking her, are you going to do, you know, your, your mother's funeral? I, no, I want you to do it. You're my pastor. I said, but I'm not her pastor. He said, no, but I want you to do it, and so I'm honored. And um, if we think that death is anything less than what it is, you, you be with someone any amount of time, and you love them and lose them. So that's why I appreciate the combination of genuine reflections, genuine joy in having experienced time with her. But there's also room to be sad. And that's okay. That's okay. I dare anyone to love anyone for any period of time and then lose them and be sad to see them go. So let's hold that in mind. The, someone wiser than I, Solomon, said that it's better to go to the funeral than it is to go to a party. Because he says the heart of the wise is made strong in the house of mourning. 
So what I want to do this, 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 just for a few moments, I want to consider a particular passage, and I'm not here to put anyone anywhere. I'm not here to send her to heaven. I'm not here to, to flower a painful experience. But as a gospel preacher, I am here to give a gospel perspective on the event that has transpired. So I want to look at a particular verse, and we'll look at three doctrinal thoughts from that verse, and then two final observations. The verse is a familiar one, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And it says this, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. There are three, three doctrinal thoughts that we want to consider here, and then two observations. Here's the first thought. Death, with all of its sting, death with all of its pain, is the wage that has been earned by Adam and that has been inherited by all of his offspring. So however it stinks, death is what has been earned. That, that's why the language is used the way that it is. It is a wage that has been earned by Adam and he's passed it on to all of his progeny, all of his offspring. Here's what Paul says in chapter 5, verse 21 of Romans. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. Now, here's the way Paul puts it later in Romans chapter 3 and talking about and, and, and exploring the fallen human condition. He says there's none good. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none who understands. And then he finally reaches the apex in verse 23 where he says all have sinned. And have come short of the glory of God. So when we put those two thoughts together in our text he says that sin Sin is, or, or death, is what sin has earned. Yes, yes, Which means that everyone who is a sinner has earned death. We, we, we get confused at that at times because sometimes we, we think that sometimes we, some folk get away with it. At, but, but understand this, that we are celebrating, as people do, longevity. 107 years, and someone said it earlier, she lived 107 years and died. Adam, Adam lived eight or, or 930 years and died. Seth lived 912 years and died. Methuselah lived 
969 years and die. Because the wages of sin is death. And it doesn't matter when you pick up the check, you're going to pick up the check. There is an inseparable and undeniable correlation between death and sin. So those who are sinners have earned death. That's what Paul, that's the truth that he opens up with. That the wages of sin is death. We can look at it and we talk about tragedies and we talk about untimely demise. Call it what you want. The wages of sin is death. Here's what, what I find interesting. People are, are quick to say, don't, don't get caught up in the circumstances that delivers the paycheck. The, 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 here's the bottom line. We'll say that when a 23-year-old dies, it's a tragedy. I watched an 80-something-year-old man broken by the fact of his 107-year-old mother has died. A 20-year-old death is no more tragic than a 105-year-old death or a 110-year-old death. You can't tell me that when Adam died, people were glad. The wages of sin is death. And sometimes we get sidetracked by longevity and forget that we all have a payday that we cannot escape. If all have sinned, then all have earned death. But here's the second doctrinal thought that's here. It can also be extracted from this verse that in contrast to the wage that has been earned, the gift of the eternal life is a gift. That's, it's, you, you can't earn that. You see, death is, has, has been earned, but eternal life has been given. We, you see, here's how we get that mixed up. You see, we can, you can say, well, Grandma Ruby, how did you get, to, she can tell you how to live a long life. But you can't, you can't learn how to live for eternity. You can't gain eternal life. You can't earn that. You can live longer and healthier. In fact, you can't even live longer than God allows. You can live healthier, but not longer. But you still, there is no formula. There is no work that can be done to live for eternity. It's, it's something that, you see, eternal life is not like the wage of death. Eternal life is given by God. It is, it is not something that we can earn. I remember growing up, I thank God for that, that old reminder of that, that old hymn, a charge to keep I have and a God to glorify. But I remember another song. See, all of our songs weren't right. And unfortunately, we haven't always learned what's right and not right. 
We get caught up in what moves us and what taps the feet, what cleans the house, and we don't think about what it says. I grew up in a church that I loved and folk loved the Lord, but we had some bad theology. And one of the songs that, that, that we used to sing when I wasn't informed was, If I live right, I will answer. And you know how some of those hymns go, they just you know, one line, and then they just repeat it, and then it says, and if I sing right, I will answer, because I'll be somewhere waiting for my name. That's bad theology. You don't get eternal life by singing right. You don't get eternal life by living right. Here's what the scripture says, that you earn death. But God gives the gift of eternal life. You don't, you don't earn it. You don't pray for it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You didn't ask for it. He gave it. No one requests eternal life. Not the way God gives it. You, you might ask him if you can live longer. You might ask if he'll let you through the back door. But no one gets, no one asks God to send his son to live for your righteousness and die for your sins and be raised for, no one sent that request to heaven. Death is what we've earned. Eternal life is what God has given. You don't earn it. You don't sing your way. You don't serve your way. You don't love your way into eternal life. God gives it to you. But here's a third doctrine that is extracted from this passage. That not only is eternal life a gift... But Paul is very explicit. God gives the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Here's the doctrine. The person of Jesus Christ is the receptacle in which all of God's grace is contained. John Owen put it this way. He says, there is an infinite ocean of love that is in God. But not one drop of it can reach us except through Christ. There is nothing from God that we receive that is not in Christ. There is nothing that is acceptable from us to him except through Christ. Jesus is don't wait don't try to go get a blessing you don't need something else everything that God has for you is in Jesus don't let anybody fool you with oil don't let anybody give you another blessing don't there's no cloth there is no point of contact there is no prayer you can pray everything that God has for you he has poured in his son, Jesus Christ. And what he has given you is the ability to embrace his son. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Three doctrinal truths. Man has earned death. God has given eternal life 
And he's given eternal life in Jesus Christ. Two observations and we're done. Here's one observation. That being the case. Listen, understand this. The moment a person comes to saving faith in Christ, you have everything necessary for life and godliness. That's the way Peter puts it. He says that we have everything necessary for life and godliness. You are no more saved uh, in the 107th year than you are in the first moment. But, but here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that as great as our experiences of grace are in this life, there is something that is experienced by those that the Lord calls unto himself. There is something that the death event, where it delivers us from our sinful flesh, that allows the delivered soul to get a better grasp of what they believe from the very beginning, unobstructed by sin, unobstructed by confusion, something about embracing Christ by faith, not just in this life. And listen, don't we have some stories about loving the Lord in this life? Didn't he call you out of darkness into his marvelous light? Hasn't he answered prayers for you in this life? Hasn't he calmed your soul in the midst of trials and storms? And isn't all of that good? But brothers and sisters, I'm convinced that the moment we are no longer encumbered by sin, we get a glimpse of our Savior that we've never experienced before. I tell folk, you know, when people die, they don't, they don't become your guardian angels. When people die in the Lord, they don't start looking over you and looking out for you. No, they don't. And among the many biblical reasons that's not true, the one basic reason is that they get a chance to see something better than looking at you. Paul says, for me to die is gain. So I want to observe that, that faith in Christ is our water in the wilderness. Faith in Christ is our salvation from condemnation unto acceptance. Faith in Christ means that by proxy we are seated at the right hand of the Father. Faith in Christ means all of my sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. And on this pilgrim's journey, the Lord brings me to his table and reminds me that I am his and all of the merits of his son are imputed to me. But as great as that is, oh, brothers and sisters, I'm convinced that when we leave these bodies, the moment we cease from physical existence 
There is a degree of grace that is displayed to those who die in the Lord that you will not experience in this life. It leads me to my final observation, which is this. While Grandma Ruby has a greater glimpse of her Savior and of, the God, of God's grace than she did have two weeks ago, here's the best news of all. There's more to come. Right now, her soul is in the presence of her Savior. And her body is left with us. And that is a joy for her. But it's best, the best is yet to come. You see, there is something that is greater. There is, it is greater to have your soul in the presence of the Savior than to be bound in time and sin. And so, yes, she's in a better place, but she ain't in the best place. Because, brothers and sisters, we believe in the Christian faith that Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, every eye will see him. And those who have gone to sleep shall rise. He said, wait a minute, where are they now? Their souls are in the presence of the Lord and their bodies are left with us. They will be reconnected to a body that still has some more work to be done on it. And then they will join us who are waiting for that same event. And we will get behind the Savior. And like a parade marshal, a grand marshal at a parade who leads his victory march, we will ride with him in victory until we reach the final destination and stand in the presence of the Savior. And then he will take our old bodies worn away by sin. And he has another building made for us eternal in the heavens. And we all at the same time will take off mortality and put on immortality. We at the same time will get dressed up for the best wedding in the universe. The wedding between the lamb and his bride. And she ain't there yet. But when it happens, we'll all get there. Isn't that what the song says? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing, we'll shout, victory, not disembodied souls, but renewed bodies that can't die, that can't hurt. When we all get to heaven, what a day, what a day. Wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. And eternal life is in Christ Jesus. Which means it's better for me to be in his presence 
than to be here. But there's still something yet to come. And we are waiting for that day. Let's pray. Our God, our Father, we come to you.